Well, as we uh, come to look at God's word this evening, let's, uh, let me pray for us that uh, we might indeed hear God speak. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who uh, speaks to his people, uh, that you let us know who you are and uh, uh, that you encourage us in the things that you say. And we pray, Father, tonight that as we um, look at what you are saying to us tonight through Jude, that we would be encouraged and built up, that we would know that we are yours uh, and that we might uh, be encouraged to live as your people. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, um, you'll uh, have been for the first part of our long series in uh, the letter of Jude. Uh, it finishes tonight, um, and it's probably about a sermon too long. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great letter, and it has actually been good to break it up. But um, I felt that last week as we got to, you know, we went through the first part of this letter from Jude. You now, he's the younger brother of Jesus. Uh, and he's writing to some Christian friends to urge them to contend for the faith, to contend for the true faith in the, faith of, in the face of false teaching um, that was in amongst them. But it was a bit, it's only a short letter, so it's hard to sort of stop it in the middle, which we did. And it felt a little bit awkward, but, but at that stage, what we'd had last week is that Jude had warned us about the danger of false teaching. So if you were last week, here with us last week, you would have seen that uh, false teaching has a number of characteristics. It slips in secretly, so you don't notice it. Uh, it appeals to our natural desires, so it's quite attractive. Uh, ultimately, though, it denies Jesus and his right position. And because of that, those who follow it will be condemned. And that is a really serious point. And so Jude actually spends the majority of his short letter on this idea that judgment will come uh, severely on those who do not follow God. But what we didn't really have a lot of time to look at uh, is, well, that's all well and good, but what do we do about false teaching? How, how can we make sure that we actually avoid it, that we don't get caught up with, with it, in it? How can we contend for the faith, as uh, Jude tells us to do, and make sure that we're still faithful when Jesus returns? Well, that's what Jude turns to as he finishes his letter off, uh, and there are three main areas that we're going to focus on. Um, three bits in these, uh, these last couple of verses. Uh, firstly, there are things that we can do. There are some helpful habits that we can have that will help ourselves keep the faith. Uh, there, then secondly, there are things that we can do that actually will help others uh, to save them from falling away. But thirdly, Jude really points us to God because he ultimately is the one who keeps us in him. So they're the things that we're going to look at. Um, and it starts with the great news that we're actually not at the mercy of the, these false teachers. It might have been rather concerning to think there is actually all this false teaching out there. It's hard sometimes to tell what it is. But guys, we're not actually at the mercy of that. There are things that we can do to strengthen our faith and to help us hold on to the truth. Now, Number one of those is the Bible. So if you've got Jude there, open it up. Or if you've got Bible there, open it up to Jude. And we're looking at this point at uh, the first couple of those verses that was read for us. Thank you. Um, in verse 20, where Jude writes, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. 
How many things can you see there about uh, ways that we can build ourselves up and, and what helpful habits are there uh, in that section? Well, what do you reckon? How many can you see? Or has it already come up? No, it hasn't come up. Oh, that's good. Well, I got four. So there's four ways, practical ways here, that we can help ourselves to keep the faith. Uh, we can build ourselves up. Uh, there's prayer. There's uh, keeping in God's love. And there's waiting. So we're going to have a look at each of those four in this first part about how uh, about this um, helpful habits. Well, the first image that might come to your mind of building yourself up is of, is of a bodybuilder uh, exercising and training so that they become lean and taut. Uh, now, I know you might be surprised, but that wasn't me in my earlier days. Um, it was just one I got off the internet. Uh, now... But there are things that we can do to exercise our faith in God. Uh, as we read the Bible, um, that's one of the great ways that we can do it. And as we do that, we're learning more about God and how we can trust him. As, as we live following God's ways, another way that we can do it. You know, as we trust God, um, as we see more and more that his way is best, uh, when we try to live in God's way and see that it returns um, good outcomes, um, then our trust in God, our faith in him, just keeps growing and growing. And so there are things that we can do to exercise our faith and build ourselves up in that way. But the image that Jude actually has in mind isn't of a bodybuilder, but of a temple builder, a church builder. We saw last week that Jude is actually quite familiar with Peter's letters. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, Peter writes... You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So the idea is actually building up a temple or building up a building that honours God. And that building isn't made actually of physical st- of, of rock, but of actually us. We are that temple. We are that building that God is making. You see, the Christian life isn't a solitary life. We're not meant to be Christians on our own. We're meant to come together as the family of God. Uh, We're to be the body of Christ, his church. And, And it's as we do that, as we meet together as we share our lives together it's as we talk about our struggles and and how we're going at following Jesus it's in doing life together like that that we actually build each other up together as a group not just on our own during our own private exercise but actually together building one another up and so there's our first way of actually a good helpful habit is to keep meeting together keep coming together as God's people to actually grow as as his people. But it's not just our relationship with each other that's going to help us stick it out. It's also our relationship with God as we pray, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, Jude says. Now, we don't need to think that that there's anything different about praying in the Spirit, Uh, Whenever we pray, we're actually praying by God's Holy Spirit. But it's one of the great privileges of actually having God's Spirit in us that we're actually able to come to God 
we're actually able to pray to him directly. We don't need to go to some special priest or someone like that who has a special access to God. If we are a Christian person, if God has given us his Holy Spirit, then we're actually able to have that direct access to God in prayer. By the Spirit, we're able to call God our Father. And because it's such a great privilege, it's something that we really shouldn't neglect. We need to keep praying. We need to keep using that resource to keep growing and holding ourselves close to God as we bring our needs and ask for his help. Now, the New Testament's full of encouragements to us to pray, like this one. So if there are times when you struggle and you find it hard to make the time or to keep remembering to pray... Well, remember you're not alone because if it was easy, if it was something that everybody did naturally, then we wouldn't need all these reminders in the New Testament to keep saying, guys, remember to pray, keep praying, you know, pray in the Holy Spirit. So they're there because, yeah, we do find it hard, but stick at it. And in particular, in the context of Jude, what we need to keep praying is that God will keep showing us the truth that he will show us his ways, that he will help us to follow him and not get drawn astray by other people. Well, thirdly then, in this section on helpful habits, we need to keep ourselves in God's love, Jude says. That is, we need to keep remembering how God has loved us by sending Jesus for us. We need to keep depending on God's love as the way that we're saved. Remembering that if we didn't have God's love for us, if we were on our own, then we would be nothing. Now Jude may well be thinking here of Jesus' words in, uh, in John chapter 15, uh, where Jesus says uh, to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. And my command is this, Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. You see, the way that we keep ourselves in God's love is by obeying Jesus. If we remember that God has loved us, so much that he sent his son for us, then we will obey the son who died in our place. And we'll especially follow his command to show the love that he has shown us to one another. And so when we love each other, when we do things like be kind to one another, when we're interested in how other people are going, and, and more than just, oh yeah, how's your weekend, but how can I help you keep going? What are the diff things you're finding difficult? What can I pray about for you? When we put our differences aside and care for each other, even for those people, especially for those people that we find hard to love, when we show real love like that, then we're doing it because God has loved us. And when we're remembering and putting God's love for us in action, then we're being protected from the false teaching that actually wants us to follow our sinful desire, which is all about loving ourselves, not loving God. 
And finally then, this, uh, this building each other up, this praying and loving is done with a particular goal in mind, Jude says. We're to do it as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. It's just too easy, isn't it, to forget that where we're really headed, where our home really is, that where we really want to be is heaven, not here or down the beach, or out in the bush, or somewhere in all of the great creation God's made for us. There are so many good things here in this world that we can fall in love with it and forget about that where our real goal is, is with, with God in heaven. You know, this world seems like all there is, and, and, and obviously the best way to, do, to, to live here in this world is to make things as easy for ourselves, you know, to, to find the best way to go. That, that's got to be the right way. I, I just love the way that uh, you know, I can find something out by just pulling my phone out and I can just Google away and I can get the answer to whatever I'm thinking about. I can find the price for something. I can you know, check out whatever's happening. I can just do it right here and now. If I want something, if I want to ask somebody something, I don't have to keep remembering you to, to ask them about that when I next see them. I just send them a text. Great. Sometimes they'll even respond as quickly as, uh, as I've sent it to them. That's even better. You might not remember the days when you took a photo and you had to wait for ages to see whether it actually worked out or not. But it's great. I can take my photos now and I can actually see that it was a complete and utter disaster and then I need to take another one. I can do it straight away and keep taking them until finally the sun set and I can't take any more. None of them turned out. You know, all of those things, for someone like me who hates waiting, it's great. But you see, when it comes to sticking at being a Christian, there are no instant results. We just have to wait. That's what it is to persevere. It takes sticking at it and waiting till Jesus returns. But Jude urges us here to keep our focus on the great reward that awaits us in heaven so that we're not going to be drawn away by somebody who offers us instant results here and now. Now, the false teaching that says you can have all that you want right now if you just follow this way instead of following Jesus. The thing we've got to do is wait for heaven, for the eternal life that Jesus is bringing to us. And no one else can bring you to eternal life except Jesus. So we won't be drawn astray. He will remain our focus and our goal if we keep waiting for him. So there are some helpful habits to have that we need to, to keep building each other up. We need to keep praying. We need to, uh, to keep in God's love. We need to keep waiting and our focus set on Jesus. But our focus should never just be on ourselves and how I'm going and whether I'm going to get by or not. God's desire is to see all people saved. And so we mustn't become you know, a holy huddle. We, we can't just shut the doors and, and we'll be okay here inside, inside these doors but we, and, and shut ourselves off from the world outside. And we mustn't be like the monasteries of the past where they did just that and lost any impact on the world. 
And so Jude goes on to tell us about how we need to be concerned for others as well. And especially in this particular context that Jude's writing, we need to be concerned for those who are being caught up in false teaching. And so he says in the verses that come next, in verses 22 and 23, he says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. And to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. I think here Jude lays out for us three stages of people as they move from faith to falsehood. And it begins with doubt. Just those niggling questions. Is the gospel really true? Can we really believe it? Maybe there are other ways. Maybe we should investigate those. Can we really rely on Jesus as the one to save us? What do we do for people who are doubting like that? How do we treat people like that? It's pretty easy just to ignore them. You know, oh, I'll just sort of keep away from you. I don't want, you know, you, you have your doubts over there. I'm going to stick with what I know. Or, or we could treat them even, even worse and say, no, we, don't, we really want to have nothing to do. Just get away. You, know, you, you obviously aren't really a Christian. We're not, we don't want to have anything to do with you um, and condemn them for, for even asking the questions. But Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. Care for them. Answer their questions. Show them the truth. Give them every opportunity to see that following Jesus and obeying him really is the only way that we can be saved. Be merciful to them. But then as they move to the next step, things become a bit more urgent. See, there will be some we need to snatch from the fire. When things move beyond just doubting to actually starting to believe what's false, then we need to step in and try and save them. We need to to, to more urgently point out that they are wrong, that they are in danger of the condemnation that Jude has warned about in in the first part of his letter. Salvation is on the line. They need saving. Now, that can be pretty tough. It can be really hard to stand up to people that, that are our friends, that we like, and, and tell them that they're wrong, to, to try and correct them. We can feel that you know, our friendship might be on the line here, and it might be. We can, we can excuse ourselves. We can think that, you know, actually, it's more important that I just stay friends with them so that I can keep having that positive influence on them. But of course, if we're not actually willing to speak up, if we're not actually willing to say that what they are doing is wrong, then we're not actually having an influence on them at all. We're simply condoning what they are doing and and letting them think that it's okay. We're forgetting how serious false teaching is. And so Jude says, snatch them from the fire and save them. But then even for those who actually go the next step and really fall into the hands of false teaching, for those who are corrupted by it, Jude doesn't allow us to just write them off either. See, we're to keep showing mercy. Though now it's to be mixed with fear, Jude says. 
fear that we might get caught up in the wrong ways as well, fear about how they might pull others away, fear of God and his judgment on them. And so while we're to show mercy, we're also told to hate even the clothing that is corrupted by sinful flesh. See, we mustn't fall into their ways, nor should we excuse them and say, you know, it's all right, actually. A little bit of compromise here and there. It's only a small sin. It doesn't really matter. Everybody does it. It's just the way things are now. No, we're to hate the sin, even as we love the sinner, even as we keep being merciful to them and being ready to show God's mercy to them and forgive them as they turn back and repent and follow Jesus. If you know people who are involved in false teaching, who who don't follow what Jesus says in the Bible, who are caught up in sin in that way, then be very careful of the influence that they can have on you. Make sure that you are using all of those other resources that Jude mentioned earlier, those helpful habits, to keep yourself in the faith. And in particular, make sure that you have a solid Christian friend or leader who you are talking with regularly about what they are saying to you and about how to answer their arguments to make sure that you are kept on solid ground. Be merciful, but with fear. Well, these things are all ways that we can help one another uh, and help save others. But ultimately, the most powerful and the most reliable way we have of contending for the faith is actually God himself. And see, it's God who Joe turns to as he closes his letter in the wonderful words of praise that we find in verses 24 and 25. As he writes, To him who is able to keep you from falling, to him who is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault, And with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. See, who does Jude say is able to keep us from falling? Can we do it ourselves? If we put on all these helpful habits, if, if we look after our spiritual lives, can we do it ourselves? Well, those things can help us, but we're also pretty weak, so there's no real guarantee that it'll be enough. Can we do it by standing together? You know, all together we can work it out. We can look after each other. Well, again, that's certainly a great help, but there's no certainty that we don't all just go down together. No, the one who is able to keep us from falling, the one who can stop us from falling away from our faith, is God. He is our rock. He is our strength. He is the only one who can hold us. The only one who can present us faultless before God is God himself. And can you imagine rocking up to God on your own? Uh, here I am, God. Um, I'm, I'm, I reckon I'm pretty good, actually. But actually, now that I'm standing here in your presence, um, actually, I can see that, yeah, okay, you can see all the things I've failed in. You actually know what I'm like. Yeah, 
Would there be great joy? I don't think I'd be feeling much joy. Uh, it'd be shame and utter despair at seeing just how glorious God is and how wretched I am. The Old Testament prophet had a, uh, Isaiah had a vision of being taken up into the presence of God and he said, Woe to me! I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Woe! See, coming before God on our own, you know, you reckon being called to the principal's office is bad? Well, being in front of God, it's got nothing on it. But the great joy of our salvation is that God is our saviour. And he is able to present us without fault on that great day. He is the only one who can do that. And until that day, he is the only one who is able to keep us in, from falling. We've actually already seen this idea in Jude's letter a couple of times before. Right back at the beginning in verse 1, as Jude addresses us, he says there that we are those who have been called, that we are loved by God the Father, and that we are kept by Jesus Christ. Jesus keeps us. God keeps us. He's the one, Jude says, who has called us to be his children, called us to put our faith in him in the first place. He's loved you and brought you into his family. And if God has called you, if he's loved you, he's not going to let you go. He will keep you. You are safe in him. God is our strength and our refuge. Similar idea in verse 21 where Jude tells us that we're to keep waiting and looking for eternal life. There he tells us that we're to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us to eternal life. So what's going to bring us to eternal life? Will it be how well we've waited? Will it be how well we've built ourselves up in the faith or, or how well, much we've prayed or stayed in God's love? Yeah, is how well we've resisted false teaching and contended for the faith going to be what brings us to eternal life? Now, well, they're all good, helpful things. They're things that will help us to keep following Jesus, but ultimately there is only one thing that will bring us to eternal life. The mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the faith that we're to contend for. That's the faith that we have. That we are saved by Jesus alone. That we have been called by God and that we are kept by Jesus. That he is the one who is able to present us before his glorious presence and with great joy. So how should we treat false teaching? Campaign, the uh, government ran a campaign a number of years ago about terrorism that summed it up well. Be alert, but not alarmed. Okay? Be alert to the presence of false teaching. It is dangerous. It is not something to play around with or get involved with. But there's no need to be alarmed either. 
God will keep you safe in him. He has called you. He has loved you. He keeps you. He will bring you to eternal life in his presence without fault and with great joy. And so to the only God our Saviour be all glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore.